This program is brought to you by Bobbleway Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. We're going to continue our studies in the book of Romans today, and we're going to be studying Romans chapter 2, beginning there in verse 12 and going down through the end of the chapter. There are various divisions in this, and we're going to start with Romans 2, 12 through 16, which the title of that would be, How God Will Judge Those That Lived Before the Cross. In Romans 2, 12, we find everyone was under law, but the Jews and the Gentiles were under different laws. Romans 2, 12. It says, for as many as have been or as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Before Jesus died on the cross, God dealt with mankind under two different covenants. And that would be since the time of Moses. And that would be the patriarchal and the mosaic. All people from Adam to Moses were under the patriarchal system, that where God would relay his message to the patriarchs or the heads of the families, such as Adam and Abraham, etc., etc. From Sinai, where the law was delivered to Israel, to Calvary, the Israelites were under the Mosaic system but the Gentile world was still under the patriarchal system. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. We find that the law of Moses was given only to Israel. Those verses read, And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us who are all of us here alive this day. So in other words, the laws there that God brought forth in uh, Mount Horeb there, Mount Sinai, whether the Israelites were there, those were for Israel, not for the rest of the Gentile world and not for those who lived previous to that law being given. In Romans chapter 4, verse 15, Romans chapter 4, verse 15 It says, Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. So there are going to be people arguing if the Gentile world was not under law, then, well, they couldn't be charged with sin, and that would be the case. But the Gentile world was under the law, the patriarchal law. And since Christianity came into the world, all people are now under the law of Christ. In John chapter 12, verse 48, 
John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So it's the word that Christ has spoken, and that be spoken by himself and through the inspired New Testament writers. The word of Moses judges no one today. The law of Moses judges no one today because it is no longer in force. But what about the law of Christ? There are people that say, well, we're under grace. We're not under law. Well, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word so means in that way. So we fulfill the law of Christ. We are under the law of Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 14. Colossians 2:14 it talks about when the law was taken the law of Moses was taken out of the way it says of Jesus blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way nailing it to his cross and then you'll notice down in verse 16 and 17 he says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of a Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come. See, those were just a shadow. We now live in the reality of, what is that? But the body is of Christ there at the end. And what is the body? The body is the church. Whenever you look at Ephesians chapter 1, Verses 22 and 23, it says, And all, hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we are in the church, we are in under the law of Christ, and the entire world now, since the cross, is under the law of Christ. In James chapter 1, verse 25, we see the law that we live under now also called a different law in James 1 25 it says but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty so the perfect law of liberty is the law of Christ it continues to say and continueth therein he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this man shall be blessed in his deed so again, we live under the perfect law of liberty. Liberty, that freedom from sin. You remember John eight thirty two. Jesus said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So make you free, that is the law of liberty. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, Hebrews 10, 4, all of those people who are saved, no matter which law they lived under, patriarchal or mosaic or the law of Christ, are saved by the blood of Christ. 
Hebrews 10.4, where it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. All of those animals that were sacrificed under the patriarchal and the Mosaic laws, they could not take away the, the sins of people. There is no way that could be done. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, it states this. Hebrews 9, 15 of Jesus, it says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of transgressions that were under the First Testament, that being the law of Moses, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. In Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews chapter 10, let's look at verses 1 through 4. It says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered? because that when the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. And again verse 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. In Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. We see that when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive adoption of son, the adoption of sons. So whenever the time was right, that's when God sent Jesus into the world. He was made of a woman. Again, she was a virgin. No man included in that. So she was. he was made under, of a virgin, of a woman. He was also made under the law. He was born under the law of Moses in order to redeem those that were under the law of Moses. That we now, everyone, might receive the adoption of sons. So on the day of judgment, every person will be judged by whatever law system they lived under. The Gentiles from Adam to Pentecost will be judged by the patriarchal law. The Israelites who lived from the giving of the law of Moses to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and of course to Cornelius' house, the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, will be judged by the law of Moses. And all accountable people since Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 will be judged by the New Testament, which is the law of Christ. Back in the book of Romans chapter 2 again, affiliation with law is worthless if you do not obey it. Romans chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. 
Well, those under the patriarchal law had to obey the patriarchal law in order to be justified. Those under the Mosaic law had to obey the Mosaic law in order to be justified. And now we, everyone, are under the law of Christ, and in order to be justified, we must obey it. In James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, he wrote, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. All right, stopping there for a minute. If we hear the word of God, and we don't do it, it's just like, and he says here, a man. He looks at his face in a mirror. There are some adjustments that need to be made. He may need to shave. He may need to comb his hair or whatever. But what he does, he just sees all of the things that need to be done and does none of them. He just goes away, forgets what type of person he was, what he looked like. Well, that's the same way with the law of God, the law of Christ. We look into the law of Christ. We see the changes that we need to make in our lives. And then we don't do them. We just go away from the word of God and don't do it. So that hearing does absolutely no good. Now verse 25 here, James 1. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So we look into the law of Christ, as we've already shown the, shown the perfect law of liberty. We look into it, continuing therein means being a doer of the word. Our lives reflect what the word of God says that we must do. So we're then we're not a forgetful hearer. We're a doer of the work. You'll notice the word work there. And who's going to be blessed? The one that does the work of God. Now, back in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the Gentiles were never under the law of Moses, but they were under law. Romans 2, 14 and 15. For when the Gentiles which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Well, what let's kind of explain this by going to the Old Testament first to Genesis 9 verses 5 and 6. Genesis 9, 5 and 6, and you'll see there were principles of right and wrong that God includes in every law he has ever given to man. And this is just an example of that. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. 
At the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. So there we see that under the patriarchal law, God established the penalty of death for those who murdered other people. In Micah chapter 6 verse 8, here are some other principles that God set forth. That is in every law that he has, uh, every dispensation of time. Micah 6, 8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? All right. Well, I want to go back to Genesis chapter 9. You think about the law of Moses also. Whenever someone murdered a person under the law of Moses, they were to be put to death. Now, they did have the cities of refuge where someone who accidentally killed someone could go. And there were stipulations that had to be followed there, and they had to stay in that city if they were found innocent until the death of the high priest. If they were found guilty, then that person would be turned back over to the avenger of blood. And then over in the book of Romans, we also find that Today, the government is authorized to execute those who have committed murder. In the book of Romans, let's see, chapter 13, that was in chapter 10, says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they, the, uh, they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the saint. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do not, or do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. The sword is a weapon of killing. So the government has the authority today to execute those who commit murder. Unfortunately, you look at the laws of our states and around our land, People may get executed, but it may be 15 or 20 years after the fact. And that absolutely does no good to prohibit or get somebody else, you know, I'm not going to do that because I see what may happen. No, that's the way that our laws have gone in this, in this nation. But in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 4, going back to the different principles that God has set forth in all of his laws, Exodus 20, verses 3 through 4 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. We're not to be worshiping idols. That is the same true today. And then Exodus 20, verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. The same is true today. In Exodus 20, verses 12 to 17, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, the word means commit murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. All of the things that we've looked for are in all the various laws. The law of Christ. Let's look at Colossians 3 verses 5 through 9. Colossians 3, 5 through 9. It says, Mortify, put to death, in other words, therefore your members which are upon the earth. And here he mentions the things that were mentioned while ago in Exodus 20. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence or evil passions, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked in some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also have put now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So these are principles that God has set forth in every dispensation of time under the patriarchal law, the Mosaic law, and now the law of Christ. So when the Gentiles lived in harmony with the principles God included in every law he's given to man, they became a law unto themselves, as he mentioned there in Romans chapter 2. The Gentiles did not have the written revelation like Israel did. They had spoken revelation. Conscience is part of us that includes our intellect, our emotions, and our willpower. And what that is is a built-in monitor, and that monitor must be trained properly under the Word of God. And then as he mentions there in Romans 2, our conscience accuses or excuses our actions according to what we believe is right or wrong. And that's why I say we need to have our consciences trained by the word of God so we will know what truly is right and wrong. In Acts chapter 7, verse 58, Acts seven fifty-eight. Our conscience is not an infallible guide. Only God's word is an infallible guide. In Acts 7:58, talking about Stephen, and cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. We know that this Saul later became known as Paul. Well, a little bit more about this Saul over in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, that being Stephen's death. And at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul... 
he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Well, again, we know that Saul later became Paul. Now look at Acts 9, 1 and 2. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, <clears throat> that being the way of Christ, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And then in Acts 26, Paul is making his defense there. And he says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And we've read some of those things. And then Acts 23, 1. Acts 23, 1 says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. When Paul, or Saul as he was known then, was holding the clothes of those that stoned Stephen, when he was raising havoc against the church, when he was dragging men and women to prison who followed the way of Christ, all the things that he did that were wrong, he did them in good conscience. So that just gives us an example that conscience needs to be trained by the word of God. Now, back to the book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 16. Romans 2, 16. <clears throat> we find that God judges our actions and our secrets. Speaking of the day of judgment, it says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now we see that we are under the gospel system, the law of Christ, and those of us who have been living since Acts chapter 2 will be judged by the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So everyone will be judged under the law in which they lived. So that brings us to Romans 2, 17 through 24. And this section shows the pride and hypocrisy of the Jews. Again, Romans 2, 17 to 24. In verse 17, it says there that the Jews before the cross, were amenable to the law of Moses, but they had little regard for it. Romans 2.17 Behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and maketh thy boast to God. So what is taking place here? You're called a Jew, you rest in the law, and here you are boasting to God. In John 5, verses 39 to 40, we see the attitude of the Jews there toward the law of Moses. 
Jesus said to them, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. The Old Testament scriptures, the law of Moses, testified of Christ, and yet they had little regard for it because they didn't follow it. Their ego got the best of them because they thought they were better than the Gentiles. You ever known anybody that thought they were better than other people? The Jews trusted in the law of Moses for their acceptance to God, and they glorified in that because they had the knowledge of the true God while the Gentiles were in darkness. Well, they were in darkness themselves. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul wrote, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. And then you could also leave out those words of himself there because they are in italics. They were added by the translators where it would read not to think more highly than he ought to think. You know, you think about that. That's what the Jews were doing. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 3, Paul kind of drives that point home here. Galatians 6 3. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Do you know anybody that's proud? Anybody that, you know, they've, they've pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps? Human beings are nothing compared to God. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, Jesus said, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So many commandments that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Jews, had added to the law of Moses. And they're still adding them to them. Today as well, the Jews are. You can look at the Jewish book of why, and you can find that there are even things in there about tennis shoes. But he's saying here, they draw nigh with, to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is not there. It's not in it. In Romans 2, 18, the Jews professed to approve only the things that were excellent, but that's not what they did. Romans 2.18 And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. Well, they knew God's will through the law, so they had no excuse for their sins just like the Gentiles had no excuse for their sins. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, Romans 1, 20, 
It says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. We have no excuse not to believe in God, but we also have no excuse for our sins. And that was from the beginning of the world, the creation of the world. These things are clearly seen. The laws of God are clearly seen. And yet people try to make excuses in order to not obey. In Acts chapter 7, verses 51 to 53, this is what people are like. This is what Stephen is saying there to the Jews. Acts 7, 51 to 53. This is why they stoned him. They didn't like him. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? <clears throat> and they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. They didn't obey. <clears throat> they didn't keep the law of Moses. Why? Well, Romans 2.19 tells us, Romans 2.19, their arrogance got in the way. The verse reads, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness. You probably know some people who think that way about themselves today as well. Well, they considered themselves to be lights to the blind Gentiles. In Acts, excuse me, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. Now, isn't it funny that people stop right there and they don't go ahead and read the rest? <clears throat> oh, you can't judge me. Judge not that you be not judged. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying. He gives the explanation in verses 2 to 4, or 2 to 5. He says, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Now what's he talking about here? Is he talking about specks in people's eyes and boards in others? No. <clears throat> He's giving an, an example here. You look at another person's life, you see they have a fault. But the problem is you have a lot more faults than they do. Well, in verse 4, Jesus said, Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So again, what's he talking about? We see this little sin, this little fault that a person has in their life, and we are so many more faults, 
and we're trying to help them get their life straightened out. What is Jesus saying? Straighten your life out first. Straighten your own life out. Get right with God so that you can help that brother who has this fault. Get your own fault straightened out first, though, is what he's saying. And Jesus considered some of the Jews the same way in Matthew 5, 15, 14. Matthew 15, 14. Jesus said there, let them alone, this being the leaders of the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, Sadducees, etc., let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. They weren't a light to anyone. They were blind themselves. And the Jews failed to obey the Old Testament part there that they were to obey, the part there about humility. In Proverbs six sixteen and 17, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. It says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. What's the first one? A proud look. Pride is the downfall of many people. Foolish human pride. And then it mentions also a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. But a proud look. Do you know someone who's always acting proud? Proudly? Proud of what they've done? Proud of what they can do, etc., etc.? They're headed for a fall. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, you hear people say, well, I'm proud of this or I'm proud of that or whatever. Do you ever find the Bible saying anything good about pride? The answer to that is no. You can search from cover to cover and you will not find anything that good is said about pride. Well, back to Romans chapter 2, verse 20 now. Romans chapter 2, verse 20. In the Jewish mind, they thought they had arrived, but they were self-deceived. Romans 2, 20. They thought of themselves as an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. You see, they thought they could instruct the foolish, but they were as guilty of sin as those they were trying to teach, the Gentiles. The Jews considered the Gentiles as babes because they thought they exceeded the Gentiles. Well, the law of Moses was no longer in effect, and the law of Christ is now in effect. In Hebrews 10, verses 9 and 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. This is the Christ or the Word speaking in prophecy about himself. It says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first. The first what? 
the first covenant, the law of Moses. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. What's the second? The law of Christ, the perfect law of liberty. Verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. So the law of Moses is taken out of the way. It is no more in force. The Jews were guilty of the same deeds that they condemned the Gentiles for. Back in the book of Romans again, chapter 2, I want to look at the first part of verse 21. It says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Well, the Jews did not practice what they preached. They didn't teach themselves. They were big on talk and little on doing. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 3, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then Jesus, or spake Jesus to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Well, Jesus is just the opposite of that. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus first began to do and then to teach. Luke wrote there, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Jesus showed his teachings through his actions, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees. Now back to Romans chapter 2. We want to read chapter 2, the rest, we want to read chapter 2, verse 21, and then go down through verse 23, because the Jews, we see they're taught against sin, but they practice the same sins. Romans 2, 21 to 23. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God? You know, it seems that a lot of people talk most against the sins in others that have the same sins in their own lives. Someone has a problem with pride, talks against pride in others. The Jews professed to have a great respect for the law of Moses, but they lived as if the law didn't apply to them. The word sacrilege there, and this is Brother Robert Taylor's definition of that word, is treating holy things as being common. And the Jews dishonored God. 
by not keeping the law. Well, in Romans 2:24, the Jews conducted themselves in such a way that it caused the name of God to be blasphemed by the Gentiles. It says there, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. In other words, God knew how they were going to act and it's written in the prophets that that's the way they would act. In Isaiah 52 verse 5. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 5. It says, Now therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. And they were doing it in Jesus' day, and they do it today as well. Look in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 22 to 23. Ezekiel 36, 22 to 23. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O ye house of Israel, for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. So the prophet spoke of that. And the way that we live has a great influence on others. Go to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Philippians 2, 14 to 16. Paul tells the members of the church in Philippi, Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. The way we live has a great influence on others. And now in Romans 2, 25 to 29, in this section we see the real circumcision and the real Jews. Verse 25 of Romans chapter 2. The Jews were no better than the Gentiles when they broke the law. It says, For circumcision verily provideth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. In other words, you know, for us today, that would be just like being baptized for the remission of your sins and then going back and living worldly. It does you absolutely no good. The Jewish males were commanded to be circumcised through circumcision that started with Abraham. You go to Genesis 17, verses 9 and 10. Genesis 17, 9 and 10. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And then in Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, 
Leviticus 12, 1 through 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed, and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of separation for her infirmity shall she be unclean, and in the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. So the Israelite males were to be circumcised, but the Gentile males were not required to do so. And circumcision is not required today. You go to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Galatians 5, 2 through 4 says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. If you're trying to do things to be justified by the law of Moses, you have fallen from God's grace. In Romans 2.26, if the Gentiles obeyed God under the patriarchal law, they were accepted by God. Romans 2.26. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? So instead of the Jews judging the Gentiles, the Gentiles would judge the Jews that transgress God's law. Look at Romans 2:27. It says, And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision dost transgress the law? You know, in other words, the law of Moses had become an idol to the Jews. There were four categories of people in the New Testament. There were Jews, there were Gentiles, there were proselytes like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8.27, and there were God-fearers, those like Cornelius in Acts 10.1-2 and Acts 13.16. Acts 8.27 says, And he arose and went, behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was a proselyte. A God-fearer, Cornelius, Acts 10, 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And then verse 16 of chapter 13 in the book of Acts says, Then Paul stood up and beckoning with the hand said, Men of Israel, ye that fear God, or and ye that fear God, give audience. In Romans 2.28, we see that fleshly circumcision gives no spiritual advantage. Romans 2.28 For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. You see, being a Gentile in the flesh also gives no spiritual advantage either. That's Galatians 6, 15 and 16. Galatians 6, 15 and 16. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And how do we become that new creature? We'll continue reading verse 16. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on earth, or excuse me, peace on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. 
Those who have put their Lord on in baptism, Galatians 3.27, have put on Christ and they have put upon the Israel of God. They are the true Israel. The new creature comes at baptism, Romans 6.4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. That's that new creature. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There it is again. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then Romans 2.29, we see the true Jew. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, that being the letter of the law, whose praise is not of men but of God. So the circumcision made without hands is accomplished by God when he forgives our sins when we are baptized for the remission of those sins, Colossians 2, 11 to 13. Colossians 2, 11 to 13 states, in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And ye, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses." So in Romans 1, Paul charged the Gentiles for being guilty of many sins and were worthy of death. In Romans 2, Paul dealt with the sins of the Jews. We must learn from the Jews there to avoid pride, avoid self-righteousness, and avoid hypocrisy. And we must strive to be the true Jews through reverently obeying the law of Christ. So this is Don Boyd again. I want to thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting our website, BibleWaveMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.